Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. If you're using the Pew Bibles, it's page 951. 951. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Good morning. As Philip uh, mentioned, we have brothers Ron and Don Williams here to speak with us this morning on grief and loss and how to minister to those who are suffering from that. And our first speaker this uh, hour, uh, speaker of the first hour is brother Ron Williams, comes to us from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, he graduated from Fried Hardeman with a BA in Bible, went on to get his Master's in, of Science in Counseling from Southern Christian University. He has served in ministry for 38 years and is currently the minister at uh, Lincoln Church of Christ in Huntsville, Alabama since 1997. He co-authored the book, Walking with Those Who Weep, A Guide to Grief Support, which was first published in 96 and now is in its eighth printing. And it's actually available back in the lobby to the left of Info Central if you're interested in purchasing that, uh, along with a couple of other books. Um, and he has taught grief support classes within the communities he's served since 92 and uh, has helped congregations, ministers, funeral homes, and hospitals in that. And uh, he also conducts coping with cancer. You can also get a flyer on uh, the seminars they do for cancer and, and dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. He uh, has been married for 38 years to his childhood sweetheart, uh, Miss Bonnie uh, Williams now. He used to be Lawler. He has two sons and three grandchildren. And uh, he'll now speak to us. Thank you. When I say the word grief to you, what comes to your mind? Mr. Webster tells us it's an emotional response to some kind of loss that we experience, whether anticipated or actual, and that it is followed with sorrow and bereavement and sadness. But grief is something far more different. It's loss of life. It's loss of friendships. It's loss of one's mind through dementia or Alzheimer. It's loss through divorce. It's loss through apostasy of someone that we love that's no longer faithful to the Lord. It's loss of parents not able to have children and bring them into the world successfully. It's loss of a child that deals with childhood diseases. It's loss of relationships. It's loss of having to move older folks away from their home environment to be closer to their family because they're no longer able to take care of themselves. Over and again, it's loss. In John chapter 11, we have a very classic example 
of how our Lord dealt with the loss of a dear friend. As was read a moment ago, Mary and Martha had sent a message to Jesus, come quickly, your friend Lazarus is sick. And the verse that he did not read follows that, verse six, where it says that Jesus stayed where he was with the disciples for two more days. And thus it's then that they begin to decide to come back to Judea. And it's within that context that Jesus begins to tell them, and I think us today as well, some things that we need to know about grief and loss. You may wanna follow along. First of all, Jesus regarded death as sleep, non-annihilation. Because that's exactly the phrase that he uses there. Lazarus is asleep. And in fact, the text tells us that the disciples said, well, Lord, if he's asleep, then that's fine. And Jesus says plainly there in verse 14 of John 11, he's dead. Yet isn't it interesting that our Lord saw fit to see death as sleep, realizing that eventually one will wake up. You may recall that in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, that's exactly the phrase that Paul uses when those who were dying in Thessalonica and the people were so afraid that that meant that they could not be with the Lord. Paul says, they're asleep in Jesus. In fact, God will take those who are asleep in Jesus and raise them up first and bring them with him when he comes again. Our Lord saw this opportunity as a time to deepen one's faith. Verse 15, verse 26, verse 40, 42 to 45, continually over and again, Christ talks about faith. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in my power? Do you believe what I can do? And I I think today we sometimes forget about how important faith is when we deal with some kind of loss. Faith in God, faith in ourselves, faith in our church family, faith that eventually with God's help and with the help of others, we will be able to work through whatever grief experience we face in life. Jesus saw this as an opportunity to talk about and for them to experience real faith. But also you might want to notice that the reactions of those who were grieving were different. When Jesus comes back to Bethany about two miles outside of the city of Jerusalem, he encounters first of all Martha. And it seems like Martha's outside visiting publicly with the people that are still there even four days after the death and the burial of Lazarus. She's extroverted, she's talking, she's visiting, she's spending time with others. But do you remember what the text tells us about Mary? She's inside the house alone. Have you ever noticed sometimes when we have grief experiences, the entire family, everyone, it seems like, is different? Why is that the case? It's not because some are grieving and some are not grieving. Unfortunately, that's the thinking sometimes. 
is because we're all uniquely different. As we often say, you're as different and unique in regard to your loss compared to the loss of the relationship that you had with that individual. And Jesus met them where they were. And that's exactly what we as a church family need to do with the individuals that are grieving, whatever the loss may be. Meet them where they are, not where we expect them to be. Jesus saw this opportunity as a time to talk about and to emphasize the resurrection. It's very evident that already they understood that there eventually would be a resurrection from the dead. In fact, that's exactly what Martha says within the text. Lord, I know on the last day that my brother will be resurrected. Have you ever thought about resurrection being important when you talk to someone about grief and loss? What kind of resurrection? How about a resurrection of hope? What about our resurrection of eventually thinking that it's gonna be better than it is right now? A resurrection that God's people, my church family, the people that I, that I hold on to, that I, that I worship with, will be there for me. Jesus saw this as an opportunity to talk about the resurrection but he also saw the opportunity for folks to be able to help. When, they, when he comes to the tomb there, as verse 39 tells us, he tells others, you move the stone away. Now, couldn't his disciples have done so? Likely. But you see, evidently there were, those people, there, were people there that, that wanted to do something. And Jesus said, you do what you can do and then you get out of the way and let me do what only I can do. Regardless of how hard or difficult it is, regardless of what the loss may be in life, we all need others to help. I teach some classes at Clearview Cancer Institute in Huntsville, Alabama, and my cancer patients tell me it is so hard for me to give up my freedom, to give up my life, to allow someone else to do that, things that I used to be able to do when I deal with my cancer. But then they also admit, when I finally decided to let them, it became so important for me for them to do what they could do. We all need one another. And Jesus allowed others to do what they could do. He also saw this event as a time to pray. In fact, it's very interesting there in verse 41 and verse 42 that the reason that he prayed was not for the sake of God, but for the sake of everyone around him to hear him pray to God to be able to give him the ability, obviously, to raise Lazarus from the grave. There's so many things that we can do to help in time of need of, of any kind of loss. We'll talk about briefly some of those later on during our day's events. But at the top of the list, regardless of what you can or cannot do, brethren, we need to pray. 
And we need to let those family members that we're praying for know that we're praying for them. In fact, in our social, social media world, what would be wrong with just sending out a little prayer to them saying, I just prayed this for you today. I don't know the struggles you're going with. Maybe you do know the struggles they're facing. But just to let them know that you've offered their name before the throne of God, they will consider you as very special friends. The end result of all of this, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, is that the word of God was spread because people talked. I mean, there was no way for them to, in any, any kind of way, to, to talk about the fact that Jesus had performed a miracle. And even though it's verse 46 tells us some of the people went to the Pharisees, can you imagine the, the conversation they had with them on that? What are you gonna do about this, guys? I mean, the man's been dead four days. We saw him walk out in graves coats. We had smelled his body before Jesus raised him from the dead. What are you gonna do now? People talked. And when we as a church family here in Huntsville where Don lives in Florence, Alabama, when we do what we need to do, and helping people deal with their grief loss, whatever it may be, people will take notice. They will see this as a caring family of God. And by doing so, God's word will be blessed and will be spread. Within the text, of John chapter 11, there are four little things that our Lord did that I wanna leave with you this morning. The first one, be real. You know the text, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Now I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands as to how many of us use that as a memory verse in Bible class years ago. But he wept. The text tells us earlier in verse 33 that Jesus groaned in the spirit. And that's a very expressive phrase in the original language. Literally, it meant that Jesus snorted inside of him because of seeing Mary and the Jews and others that are crying profusely. They're crying, the word weeping there in that text of verse 33 means to wail like a baby. They were crying on the outside, verbally. Everyone could hear it, everyone could see it. Jesus snorted in on the inside. That's what the phrase really means in the original language. He could not cry on the outside. He was so agitated on the inside because of seeing the great grief that was present before him. Be real. You see, our Lord decided on that occasion to allow Mary and Martha and the Jews around them to see that he was a human individual. Folks, when we are dealing with grief, 
and we are moved with our emotion over the loss or the death of someone or something significant to someone that we love, let them see you as being real individuals. Now, while we are people that certainly believe in the hereafter and have that hope of a far better place when this life is over, we also are human as well. I mentioned a few moments ago, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The mistaken belief was people were dying and they had to be alive to be able to see the Lord because they thought he was coming back quickly. And Paul was writing to them and he said there in verse 13 that he wanted them to have hope and he wanted them not to grieve as those who have no hope. But he did not tell them it was wrong for them to grieve at all. He wanted them to be sorrowful. He wanted them, he expected them to be sad when their loved one died and were longer, no longer present in their lives. He said it was okay to be human. When grieving people see us as real and genuine individuals, they will feel far more comfortable to grieve within our presence. Be real. Number two, be quiet. Have you ever noticed this in this text? John 11, verse 21. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then again, you read in verse 32. Then Mary came to where Jesus was and, sat, and saw him and fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Do you remember that Mary and Martha are not close to each other when they say those same phrases to the Lord? Martha's outside visiting with the, with, the, with the Jews. Mary's inside. When she gets, she didn't hear what Martha said, but they both were saying the very same thing. And, and I think it was somewhat of a rebuke. Lord, we sent you a message. We told you we, that you needed to come quickly. Why didn't you do that? And isn't it interesting that in verse 22 and again in verse 33 that you don't find Jesus rebuking them. Jesus allowed them to say what they were thinking. In a time of trauma and great sorrow, I guarantee you that your presence and not your words would be most greatly appreciated. The Joe Baileys in the course of several years lost three different children to death. In Mr. Bailey's book, A View from a Hearse, he shared his honest feelings when one of his children died. This is what he said. I was sitting torn by grief. Someone came and talked to me of God's dealings, of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked incessantly. He said things I knew were true. I was unmoved except to wish that he would go away. He finally did. Another one came and sat down beside me. He did not talk. He did not ask me leading questions. 
He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened when I said something, replied briefly, prayed simply, and left. I was moved. I was comforted. I hated to see him go. Jesus knew that in grief situations, there's a time to talk, but there is particularly a time to listen. Be quiet. Number three, be supportive. Verse 31 tells us the Jews who were with her in the house comforted her when they saw that Mary rose up went out and followed her saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Here's Jesus along with the disciples, with the friends that are coming to spend time with Mary and Martha now four days after the death of Lazarus. They're still there. They're still letting them know we're here to help. When church members really care, we will be there for that family, whatever their needs may be, not out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of love. You see, there are a few things that will heal wounded spirits better than the balm of a supportive embrace. A writer years ago told about a young little girl who lost a playmate in a tragic death. Several weeks after the funeral, she was supposed to be home at a set time for supper. She was late. Finally, she got there. The father, very angry, said, where have you been? And she mentioned, I've been over at Mrs. So-and-so's house. And the father said, why did you go there? Because, Daddy, I wanted to help her. And the father said, what did you have to say? What could you have done? And the little girl said, Daddy, I didn't do anything. I just climbed up in her lap and I cried with her. That's being supportive. Number four, let's be available. You may recall that in John chapter 12, Verse one and verse two, it's a continuation of this narrative that John gives us in verse 11, in chapter 11. And the text tells us that it was six days before Passover and Jesus came to Bethany to spend time with Martha and Mary to be there with Lazarus. And, and I just thought that's interesting. After the miracle has occurred, after time away from the situation, here's Jesus still spending time, still letting them know that he's there for them. The fact of the matter is this, it has been suggested that 97% of people quit visiting with families within two weeks after the loss that they had dealt with in life. And yes, you heard correctly, 97%. It's after two weeks that the shot begins to wear off. It's after two weeks that people begin to have raw pain. 
It's after two weeks that they begin to look around and wonder, where is anybody that cares? Where is anybody that will console us? Where is anyone that will help us? And when we're not there, when, when we have failed them, then really what kind or good we to them in any kind of way. Like our Lord with the sisters of Lazarus and their crucible of grief, let us be real. Let us be quiet. Let's be supportive. And let's be available. I think it's interesting that Jesus allowed Mary and Martha to express their grief. You see, evidently, our Lord understood that by allowing someone to express their grief, they'd be able to experience to the fullest. They would be able to deal with whatever it is that they're dealing with because you're there with them, helping them in time of need. Perhaps it is today that so many individuals are not being allowed their grief and therefore they cannot, as it were, deal with it. And unfortunately they grieve alone. They shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to. The, the last time I checked, we are the family of God. We are to be people that care as much, in fact, more for the needs of others than we even do ourselves, as many scriptures in Paul's writings would suggest. We're to rejoice with those who rejoice, but we're also, Romans 12, 15, to weep with those who weep. We know that Jesus cares. The question is, what about us? Don't tell me someone said that you understand. Don't tell me that you know. Don't tell me that I will survive, how that I will surely grow. Don't tell me that this is just a test, that I am truly blessed, that I am chosen for this task apart from all the rest. Don't come at me with answers that only can come from me. Don't tell me how my grief will pass, that I will soon be free. Don't stand in pious judgment of the bonds I must untie. Don't tell me how to suffer and don't tell me how to cry. Accept me in my ups and downs. I need someone to share. Just hold my hand and let me cry and say, my friend, I care. If you look out in this audience this morning and you know this congregation better than I do, but I know there would have to be loss after loss after loss on every pew because that's the way it is. Jesus cares. And if you in any kind of way need the help of this church, need to become a New Testament Christian, need to come back and start with this church again in a relationship, 
He cares. But the point of the matter is, we're also supposed to care as well. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to come right now. It's good we stand.